0: I'd rather regret the things I've done than regret the things I haven't done. Lucille Ball, you are listening to The Real Estate Investor Show, episode number three.
1: Welcome ladies to The Real Estate Investor Show, providing inspiration, strategies, and insight to empower women investors
0: to live balanced and financially free lives. Now, here are your co-hosts, Liz and Andressa. Have you ever dreamed of quitting your day job and investing in real estate full time? Well, today's guest, April Crossley, owner of Lazy Girl REI, did just that. Over 10 years ago, she decided to leave her full-time job in healthcare to buy rentals and flip properties. Today, she owns a large rental portfolio, flips houses, and has a thriving coaching business. On today's episode, we discuss how April transitioned to being a full-time investor, her recommendations to women who want to quit their job, how to fund deals with private lending, and how to keep yourself motivated. You're trying to
2: close on your next rental, so why is your insurance company dragging its feet? With long lead times and never-ending paper forms, it's no wonder it takes forever to finally get a policy. Modern investors deserve better. They deserve Steadily.com.
3: Visit BiggerPockets.com slash Vacasa, spelled V-A-C-A-S-A, and get a free personalized income estimate today. That's BiggerPockets.com slash Vacasa.
0: Thank you, April, for being here today on our show. Thank you for having me. Yeah, we're really excited about having you on here and hearing your story, and we got a lot of lot of neat things to kind of jump into, uh, but we'd love to kind of start, not at the beginning where you know you were born or anything. We'd love to hear that, but... <laughs> We would actually like to. We'd actually like to start. You you start investing in real estate while you had a full time job in healthcare, and yes. you know we'd love to just tell us a little about that, and you know kind of like how you began, but more importantly, how you did it with a full time job. Sure. So um,
1: I started investing probably about 12 years ago. I was actually in school for my master's degree. I was working in a hospital as a respiratory therapist. I was in school for my master's degree to be the CEO of a hospital. I thought that's what I wanted to do. So I was working and going to school at the same time. Um, And then I picked up a book about real estate investing on vacation and started reading about it. My husband had it. And I was bored and just started reading it. And (laughs) as after I read that book, it was called The One Minute Millionaire. It just completely changed my viewpoint on everything. I knew nothing about real estate or that you could buy real estate and that it would make money for you and people would pay off your mortgages. And it was all just kind of mind-blowing for me. So um, once I read that book, I dropped out of my master's degree program so that I could spend more time learning about real estate (laughs) (laughs) instead of... Learning how to become the CEO of a hospital. So, um, I always worked full time, either usually night shift, um, in a hospital or like evening shift, like off shifts, like three in the afternoon to 11 at night. So during the day, I would always spend a couple hours either learning or taking a real estate class or looking for property. Um, there's actually points in time where I'd be at work and the girls that I work with would laugh if they hear this, but they'd all go on lunch break and be like, come down to the cafeteria with us. And I'd be like, I can't, I have to fold letters. (laughs) 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 This is my my lunch break. (laughs) And I need to do my direct mail work over my lunch break. I don't have time. I remember like, taking a 15-minute break so I could return seller phone calls. Um, I basically just did what I had to do to um, be working full-time and get my real estate business up and running. Um, at one point, I took um, a job that was during the day, like 8 to 4.30, and I was teaching at a college to teach people how to do what I was doing in healthcare. care. Um, and I worked there for five years, and I was just putting a ton of time into this job. Um, and I just like kind of missed doing real estate as much. So I left that job to go back to an awkward shift again. So I guess I was blessed enough to kind of be able to work an off shift mm. so that I could do real estate during the day and work in the hospital at night. Um, so th- it was a lot of working, a lot of working and squeezing little things in here and there every chance I got. So Wow. And
4: for folks out there that are exactly on the situation that you were 12 years ago, they still uh, working full time job or a part time job. And they are thinking about this transition. What are the things that they should or they must think before they they quit?
1: Yeah, I always tell people don't just quit. (laughs) Every time people come (laughs) to me in real estate, and they say I did my first deal, I'm gonna quit. I'm like, don't, (laughs) don't just quit, don't do that. Um, Before I uh, quit slash retired, which was almost five years ago, um, it was a very well thought out process. So my husband and I sat down and looked at how many houses we were flipping a year, how much profit that was bringing in after all your taxes and everything are paid um so like what your net profit is and our goal was basically at first just to replace my income but we knew our long-term goal was always to buy rental properties and build a rental portfolio because that to us is our retirement our rental properties are cash flow for retirement and our flips are money that we use now um so in order to buy rental properties, we don't buy with any of our money. So we would buy with private money and do a cash out what's called a cash out refinance. In order to do that, you have to be able to show a bank that you have a steady working history. Once Mm -hmm. you're not a W2 employee anymore, and you don't work for someone else, you don't fit in the bank's box so to do a cash out refinance on a rental property we knew we wouldn't be able to do that unless we could show a consistent track record of flip profits so we were actually flipping um, more than enough to replace my income for three years before i quit my job um for good. So because we wanted to be able to go back to the bank and say, Hey, we're flipping, we bought this rental property. We want to do a cash out refinance. And we didn't want them to say, well, you don't have a job because Mm -hmm. my husband's self-employed as a real estate agent. And, I'm self-employed now running our investment company, I was able to show them, I actually do for the past three years, I've been making X amount of income from flipping houses. So that's really important. Everything just kind of changes. The other big change for us was on the health insurance end for our family, just not health insurance when you're self-employed is extremely, extremely expensive. So when you're looking at what your expenses are and how much money you need to cover that, um, once you're self-employed, you kind of need at least one flip project a year just to pay health insurance. <laughs> That's kind go. of the sad reality um, of it. So I guess just to be extra prepared, um, don't just jump, make sure you look at your finances and what your income is going to be after you pay all your taxes and stuff on your profits.
4: Would you recommend about like six months of savings or one year of savings?
1: Um, yeah, we did six months, um, and I would probably recommend a year. <laughs> we did. It's kind of one of those, when you take the jump, you think everything's going to be okay. And then everything that can go wrong does go wrong. Mm-hmm. So like your car will break down or someone will get sick or this will happen or that will happen. That the first year, even though we felt like we were really prepared the first year I left, I'm not going to lie. We thought we were going I thought I was gonna like starve I'm being dramatic but we (laughs) were really tight with our money Mm -hmm. the first year that we were both self-employed very tight with our money so
0: yeah and what shifted April after that first year you know being really mindful of what you were probably spending and then you know what what shifted to you know to grow for you
1: um I think just becoming more comfortable with not having a regular paycheck. I mean, I came from a world where I was paid every 2 weeks, I could work unlimited amount of overtime and I constantly had that safety net of a paycheck. And when I left that, I went through a lot of life changes or personal changes. I I'd go to work a couple days a week or five days a week. And I worked with um, a whole bunch of women and I had that camaraderie and we had a bunch of stuff in common. And that was kind of my social outlet. Um, and when I left that to work full time from home, you know, it's just like me in my office with my dog and my husband's a real estate agent. So he's in and out. So I'd see him once in a while, but it got very lonely. So mm-hmm. that first year was being honest, just a lot of, um, being uncomfortable, a lot of anxiety, a lot of loneliness, a lot of rediscovering myself and being comfortable with pushing myself to grow and do something different and becoming okay with not having a lot in common with people that I used to have a lot in common with. So I just think personal growth and comfort. And then after the first year, I kind of found my groove, like what I needed to do every day from the time I woke up to the time I went to bed um, to stay on top of my business. And I got more comfortable. Yeah.
4: You touching on a very important, um, um, concept about being addicted, right? It's just like being addicted to the paycheck and also be mindful of that transition mentality from an employee mentality to entrepreneur mentality. Um, Do you think that the network events that you were part of, the books that you were reading and everything else that you did helped you to uh, figure out what you really wanted or there was something else that happened?
1: Um, No, that was really, really important to me. The just networking and going, even just going outside of my area to real estate classes and meeting other people and talking to them and like, okay, there are other people that do this full time Mm -hmm. and I'm going to be okay. And I have something in common with these people, but we're all freaking out. (laughs) Right, right, right. (laughs) But you don't you know, when you go to work every day, five days or six days a week, and you see the same people over and over, when you go to real estate events or networking events, you don't see those people every single day. You have to really like have the gusto to do it on your own and make yourself work and do things. And when you're used to going to a job and having the same tasks and being told what to do, it really is a shift to learning how to manage your own time and your own schedule. But the networking events... Um, and real estate classes really helped to keep me inspired and around people that, um, like believed in what you were doing. So, yeah.
0: So just to dissect that a little bit. So you were flipping uh, a number of houses before, you know, and, and consistently, which I think is yes. another piece, right? People will, you know, flip a property, uh, you know, make, make a lot of money with one flip and like, oh, I'm doing this full time. And then, you know, in a year you, you don't even seem around cause you know that that's not what happened. So right. so you, you were doing it consistently. You were having success with it. You transitioned out of, the, you know, your full-time job. When did the rentals come in? Did you continually, did you continue, you know, continue to flip or did you then shift? Because it's a different, different mindset, it's a different, uh, you know, investing strategy. So tell us a little about that, that, you know, kind of where you started with flipping and then how you were able to start buying uh, rentals and
1: Yeah, we actually always did both. Um, The first thing we ever did was a flip, and that was a flip project that we – Found actually a wholesaler brought it to us and we had no money and we ended up joint venturing with another investor in our area and we split profits 50 50. After that flip, we bought a six unit, (laughs) which seems a little crazy. Um, But we, (laughs) I forget how we came across that one because we've had it for so long, Um, but it was a private deal that someone I think someone brought to us or let us know about just through the grapevine someone that knew someone that knew us and knew we had interest in real estate um and we actually bought that with my father-in-law as my father-in-law didn't really have any kind of retirement and plan in place and we had some money to move in to buy a six unit and he had some money so we own that with him 50 50 um and it's been a blessing for my father-in-law to have that um so after that we kind of flipped and bought rentals so whether we decide to flip something or hold it as a rental really depended on the price range of the house and the area and how easily we could we thought it could rent so we we kept a lot of rentals that were smaller single houses or semi detached or row homes. Um, and then we would flip a lot of the bigger single houses with like nice yards and like nice neighborhoods that were more um, first time home buyer kind of houses. So we always had the strategy that we're gonna flip and we're gonna buy and hold. Um, and buy hold, we really don't touch our cash flow. That's our what we consider our retirement and then our flipping is always what we considered like that's what we tap off of for income. Got
4: it. The first ones were around uh, where you live or out of state?
1: All around where we live. Yep.
4: Okay. For folks out there that, like me, (laughs) that can't find a cash flow um, properties um, in Philadelphia, it is just the numbers don't make too much sense. I know you recently uh, went out of state and you were hunting for apartment complexes and you purchased an A-unit was it
1: that one's not out of state that one I actually purchased in my county as well where I live wow so I go out of state and I'll look and I'll come back and then I buy an eight unit at home (laughs) (laughs) as I run I'm trying to get out of my state and spread my wings and it just has not been happening it keeps coming back
4: (laughs) right I know you've been to North Carolina Florida Florida those are the places that you've been looking at what's going on what's not making sense
1: at first it was like a lot of in Florida and then I think for me it's very much learning to let go of control um, and adjust the way I buy and um, I just I have a really hard time trusting people so in my market now I know my market so well and I buy everything off market I don't buy anything through agents or brokers or anything like that so I'm dealing with sellers and I just find them a lot easier to trust than I do brokers <laughs> in other <laughs> markets I always feel like they're just trying to sell me something and they're which they are but, and they're not giving me the full picture so uh-huh. I have had a couple under contract I'd say probably be three or four under contract in other states and as soon as I start digging into the numbers I don't know if it's the broker or the seller not disclosing Mm. everything but we uncover a whole bunch of stuff that I'm like okay this deal just isn't gonna work and I'm always (laughs) hunting in my own market so I think I'll go out of my market and look and put offers in on stuff and then I'll get something under contract in my market and I'm sucked right back into working in my market again so
0: <laughs> with with regards to uh, funding deals, you know, I you yeah, know, I talk to a lot of new investors, um, and, and, as well as I'm sure you do as well. And whether you're a new investor, whether you're an, an experienced investor and been doing this for a long time, you know, funding deals is always you know the, you know, the million dollar question, and how how are you going to fund your next deal? And and the bigger you know, bigger p- complexes we all look at. Uh, the, the more zeros there are. So, you know, so it's a matter of how, how am I going to fund this? And I know one of your main strategies, which, which is which is, obvi- you know, one of, one of, one of mine as well, and I know Andressa uses, is using private lenders. And, you know, I think that's a really important to, for, you know, the women out there listening is, you know, how am I going to fund my deal, you know, first, you know, first deal, or not just first deal, more importantly, Probably three, four, and five because you you kind of have to get into the game, get some experience, put your own money at risk at some point. But then once you start getting some track record and you start to know, do you know you're starting to get a sense of, hey, I know what I'm doing here. I'm good at what I'm doing. How do I grow? You know, how do I how do I grow when I see that you know great deal come across my desk? And sometimes your money's tied up. So private lending is a great. A great opportunity for for people so share with I'd love for you to share with our, our listeners a little bit about your experience with private lending. I know that you have private lenders I know that you actually do private lending so you're you're mm-hmm. you're a great resource uh, to to kind of explain that a bit about you know creatively funding deals uh, you know and creating win wins so just if you can
1: yeah. When we first started investing, we had no money and we had no idea how we were going to fund a deal, (laughs) honestly. (laughs) Um, And all we knew was one person, just one, that's it, in our market that was flipping houses. Now I know a ton more, but we only knew one person. So the bottom line is everybody is always looking for deals. Always at any level, I feel like Mm -hmm. apartment buildings, single family houses, everybody is always looking for deals. The people that you want to work with in this industry will find a way to cut you into a deal if you bring them a deal. So I try, I people hear it all the time. Money is the last thing you should focus on. It really is, but it's still the primary thing people are concerned with. So I tell people to connect with other people in real estate. That's what's most important. Other cash buyers, other people buying apartment buildings, whatever your niche or your goal is. Um, And then what we did on our first deal was we found the deal. It was brought to us by a wholesaler. We had no idea what to do with it except put it under contract. From there, we were clueless. So we took it to someone that was flipping houses and said, hey, we found this great deal. If we rip out some carpet, do some painting, put in some sweat equity into this thing. Um, Would you fund it and we'll split the profit 50-50. And he was more than thankful because the deal had a lot of profit in it. So he was like, yeah, that sounds great. Well, unbeknownst to us, it wasn't this guy's money either. So he joint ventured with us, but he brought a private lender to fund the whole thing. So we didn't bring the money he brought another lender. So there are actually three people involved, four, the wholesaler, us, the other flipper, and the private lender all got paid on this deal, which was awesome. So people you want to work with, they want everyone to get paid. So I wouldn't, um, even without experience, everybody's looking for deals and you can make it a win, win, win for everybody. Um, Profit might not always be split 50 50, depending on your experience. If you joint venture with someone, they might want to split profit 70 30 or 80 20 or whatever the case may be. Um, But a lot of people are hungry for deals so you can do it without money. And from the lending side of things, because we do private lending as well, we always want our money working like nothing bothers me more than when I don't have a deal to put my money into because it's not making me any money sitting in my bank account. So and it's not making me any money sitting in my IRA. (laughs) So I need it out (laughs) there and I need it making money. So I tell people sometimes people see a private lender or a hard money lender is like almost um, above them or like they need them more than the lender needs the flipper. And that's just not the case at all. Um, Lenders need flippers. So they want their money working. So I think finding the lenders comes through connecting with cash buyers that are already successfully flipping, and they will either directly or indirectly introduce you to their lender. Sometimes it's indirectly just by joint venturing on a deal with them and they bring the funds and then you use those deals to build your reputation and you'll start meeting lenders at different real estate meetings. I I really love that, that mindset.
3: I'm curious, have you been struggling to keep your vacation rental booked? I totally get it. It's tough to manage and keep filled. But we found something that really works. It's called Vacasa. They've seriously changed the game for a lot of the BP audience. In almost every market they're in, Vacasa manages to fill up the calendar more than anyone else. And get this, the average Vacasa user sees about 24% more bookings than with other managers. That's a lot of extra income. Curious to see what you could be earning? You can get a personalized income estimate right there. I think you'll be pleasantly surprised at what Vacasa can do for you. Check out biggerpockets.com slash Vacasa, spelled V-A-C-A-S-A. Biggerpockets.com slash Vacasa. Keep your money in your pocket and propel your portfolio further at firstexchange.com. First American Exchange Company does not provide tax or legal advice. Consult your financial, real estate, tax, or legal advisor about your circumstances. First American Exchange Company. Safe, smart, secure.
4: You and I met in, during a private lending event here in Philly. Do you remember that? Yes, I do. We met yep. over here. Yeah. <laughs> so it was very refreshing to meet you because I was like, wow, she's as straightforward as I am. So yeah. I'm not like, <laughs> al- alone out there. And I think that that's exactly where your, your mentality is. Um, lenders and flippers and wholesalers, we... We all need each other. We just need to be uh, straightforward with them and and make the deal the deal happen. I know that sometimes um, being straightforward will hurt somebody's feelings. Yes. <laughs> but yeah. for for those folks that are out there, um, they're starting and they are gonna hear different no's from lenders, from sellers, from you know, anybody that don't understand what they're trying to do, or is just part of the process. What would you tell them when they hear those no's over and over, over and over again?
1: Just keep going. Just keep going. I can't when I first when I was new, and I started looking into private lending, for example, I would tell my family about private lending. I mean, we were flipping for two, three years at very successfully. And I would tell my parents all the time, you should tap the equity in your house, make it make money for you, be a private lender. Here's how you do it. I did a whole presentation for them. My parents (laughs) to this, to this day, do not do private lending at all. It's some people just on the private lending front, they're not comfortable with it. Mm -hmm. So they'll always say no. Um, Some sellers will always say no. You're always going to get no's, but you when you keep going, you're going to find the people that you're meant to be connected with. That sounds cheesy, but if you have an open mind and you're open to meeting different people, the right people are going to cross your path. They really are. They really are. I make, complete stranger, so much money every year because they private lend to me, but my family does not. <laughs> you just can't, you just can't talk. And I tell my family that I'm like, I may, I've never, I met this guy once and he's been lending to me for 10 years and I make him X amount, thousands, and thousands of dollars a year. You should lend to me. Like you can talk to him. No, no. It's just not for everybody.
0: It's just well, not. And it's, it's a, it's an interesting, it's an interesting strategy because you are, you know, doing a private transaction. So the, the greatest benefit of, of of a private lender is that you know you're you're bypassing the bank or using the bank as well in conjunction to private lending, and you're you're working with a private individual, setting up an agreement. You know, usually that's that's protected by both parties, and you know, using that money to either you know buy a flip or or buy a rental. But either way, it's short term money. Um, I'm curious, you know, what has been what house or flip that you've done um that's been the biggest challenge for you and that you because I think the biggest concern people have and certainly someone who uses private lenders you you really want to I mean I would lose my own money but I never ever ever want to lose another person's right. money I mean not that I want to lose yeah. money I don't want to lose money and I'm very very cheap and I hate losing money on any on any front but if I yeah. had to choose I I would I would always say you know, if we need to put more money into this or whatever it takes to protect our private lender's money or other individuals right. investing with us, we will do. We will do whatever it takes. So I'm curious from your perspective and your experience, um, you know, what what was what deal did you have some concerns, challenges, what have you? And, you know, how did you move through that? Because sometimes things don't go as we all expect. And right. you could do your research and you do the right deal, but it doesn't always go the way we all expect it to, no matter how long you've been in this business. So I'm curious, just navigating that. How'd you move through it? You know, how did right. you, you know, how would you? Move I think,
1: it? I think in the case of private lending, like open communication is really important. Yeah. If I always tell people, if. From a lender perspective and having borrowed funds, if you come across a hiccup or a delay in a deal Mm -hmm. or something, you just have to keep open communication with your lender because oftentimes lenders do invest in real estate themselves Mm -hmm. and they can help you come up with a solution. Sometimes they don't, but sometimes they do. So a lot of times if I have a project that's delayed or I have some kind of major hiccup, um, I would just try to keep the lines of communication open. I'm very upfront and honest with my lenders about it. And a lot of times they'll help come up with a resolution to it. The most challenging deal we ever had, um, I actually had a private lender on a property long-term. He was lending on it for five years. Um, I had a tenant in this house. It was like a four bedroom, three full bath finished basement, huge house. Um, Mm -hmm. In our area, a huge house like that rents for like twelve fifty a month, which is probably really cheap to you guys. <laughs> <laughs> but it rents for twelve fifty a month and I had a letter on it. That's a mansion over here I compared know. to
4: village.
1: <laughs> it's know. a mansion.
4: Four bedrooms, three and a half. That's a mansion. Like a million dollars.
1: So this the rent payment from the um tenant to us was twelve fifty. And then I had my payment from me to my private lender. And I forget how much that was a month, but every month we'd send a check to the private lender. Well, my tenants stopped paying their rent of twelve mm. fifty a month mm. and they were going through a really nasty divorce. So they basically just stopped paying everything. They stopped paying the water bill, the sewer bill, they stopped paying everything. Well, in this particular area, this township, the water and sewer bill stays in the landlord's name and we're responsible for it. So despite Mm. the tenant not paying it, 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 they don't shut the water off. They just come after the landlord for the landlord to pay it. So Mm. long story short, I went to do an eviction and I had a lease um, with an option to buy with the buyer, with the tenant buyers. And when I went to eviction court, the district judge said to me, I don't um, really do any evictions unless it's a straight rental agreement. And oh. my, my attorney was with me and my attorney drew up all my paperwork for the lease option. And he said, so you have to go to, I forget what they call it, the court of common pleas or something, some other court other than district court. And he's like, that can take up to a year and $10,000 to get your tenants wow. out. Oh. So this whole, I went probably six months with no rent payments of twelve fifty a month, no water and sewer payments. So I was coming out of my own pocket. pocket for it to pay the private lender because I, the private lender gets paid and you're right, Liz, like you do whatever you have to do to make sure your private lender gets paid. So I tell people, what can you do to help yourself in those situations? Don't run so slim. Some people will take all the cash flow from their rentals and they spend it, okay? Or they take all their profits from their flip and they immediately spend it. I wouldn't, I wouldn't do that. You always want to have some money and reserve because no matter how good you are or how long you've been doing this stuff like this happens. happens. I, yeah, I didn't expect to have to make rent payments of 1250 a month. Plus there were like five people living in the house who was so big. The water bill was like $400 a quarter. So I was paying wow. all that on top of the rent to make sure that my lender was paid. The house was maintained because that's the lender security is the house. Um, so, yeah, it was definitely a very difficult, very challenging time with a lot of crying, <laughs> <laughs> a lot of wine drinking every night, um, but but also a lot of just working and busting my butt. This was still back when I was working in the hospital when this happened, and I was picking up extra shifts just to make sure we yeah, could no. pay this lender and have enough, and that taught me a huge lesson in don't spend your cash flow like water because you're gonna need it for emergencies.
0: Well that's it, a good tip. Yeah, and it gets and it gets to a lot of mindset, you know, like a you had to have a certain type of mindset to move through that experience. Not only to move through it and make it right, but to actually have continued working in the business and now building a business ten years later. So, you know, that's pretty remarkable, right? And and so what do you think for you was the most important kind of, you, you know, you worked your butt off, you got extra shifts, you got into solution mode, but what for you, was it a, a certain, how'd you keep yourself motivated? You know, like I, that that's tough. And, and we, we, we're all, we all go through stuff like that, whether it's in our, our personal life or even investing life, certainly is that we have it you know, we have challenges. It's not like all roads. Yeah. It's not like a, you know, uh, you know, on uh, HDTV, it's not in a half hour, you make right. a million dollars. Really? It's just, yeah, I yeah, know. That's right. True. I know. Isn't that crazy? Come on. It just doesn't work that way. And you're right. No matter how experienced you are, you can't control everything and control the market and control, you know, fill in the blank. So what for you was the most important, whether it was a habit, whether it was a Book, whether it was a uh, affirmation you said to yourself, like what what for you was something that pulled you through that experience.
1: I can honestly say my husband and my best friend okay. <laughs> were what pulled me through. I really think you need someone to like. Um, that you can rely on, that you can talk to, even if it's someone else in the business. So because you kind of go into a very like negative, like, why are these people doing this Mm -hmm. to me? Why aren't they paying? Why this, why that? And you need someone that's standing on the outside looking in that can say look at what they're going through, like Mm. feel sad for them. They're going through this horrible divorce and like someone has a drug issue in the family and they're going through this horrible time and, and try and have some sympathy. So you're, I'm in problem solving mode, but I'm also not a raving lunatic at the same time. (laughs) So I think just being able to have that outlet to talk to I mean, my my best friend was over all the time when this was happening um, and talking to my husband just to have someone to talk through it. And I think just keeping the bigger picture in mind, like, okay, this is happening now with this tenant, but the tenant before this was fine Mm -hmm. and the tenant in my other properties are fine and I feel really blessed to have such good tenants. So, okay, I have one hiccup. Am I gonna let this one bad egg ruin this business that I'm building. Um, And in that moment, you have a choice. You know, you can put your head in the sand and let it destroy you, or you can grab the bull by the horns and just fix the problem so you can keep moving forward. And to me, my end goal of never having to go back to work in a hospital was more important to me than um, giving up just because of this situation. So...
4: You you just mentioned about uh, the outlet, right? And I know that recently you didn't buy a residential. It was not a commercial. It was an RV.
1: Oh what yeah. Are you,
4: what's the name of it? Is it like, the Puma? The Puma. Okay. And I've seen your pictures with your husband. You guys take um, on the road and go for yeah. bike rides and things like that. And we talked about having a balanced life before. Yeah. But I wanted you to uh, talk to us about having a unbalanced life.
1: Yeah, I don't. It's not. I always say I don't believe in life balance. I don't feel like I live a balanced life, but I try to do the best I can. But I feel like my life is unbalanced, kind of in big swings. So I will work really, really hard all the time. But then when I'm burnout, we will take a vacation, like a really go away disconnect vacation so like a couple months ago we took a motorcycle trip out to utah and colorado where we had no cell phone reception and we were kind of riding around the mountains and it was beautiful and we could recharge and now in january we we bought an rv because one of our goals for many years has been to get away from winter in pennsylvania so we are just at that point now where we Um, can afford to do so. So we purchased an RV and a truck. And in January, we're leaving to go somewhere warm. We're not sure where yet. But Arizona, Florida, Texas, somewhere like that. And we're going to work remotely for three months from January to March. Um, Because I think when you're building businesses, and you are an entrepreneur, you're always your brain is constantly creating and thinking of things. Ooh, I could do this. Ooh, I should do that. Ooh, I could do that. And it's very easy to get sucked into wanting to work all the time or finish projects. Um, and there's days where I'll work and work and work 14 plus hours a day. But then I also have other extremes where I try to kind of balance that out a little bit by taking a week or two off here and there, um, getting in the RV and working remotely, instead of working from my office, I still try to push myself to live. And my husband kind of has a good way of knowing when I'm burnout out and saying, okay, you need a break. It's time Mm -hmm. we need to go. (laughs) We need to go somewhere and do something. So
0: yeah, that's great. And you know, that's, that's the other piece of it is you are a, um, you have a Uh, you have a lot of different you have your rental business you have your flipping business but you also have a mentoring uh coaching business you know lazy girl rei and you live you live this and you're probably coaching others to do the do the same if you wouldn't mind just tell the listeners our community here a little bit about lazy girl rei and uh and what you're up to with that
1: yeah so um I have a little mentoring program, it's a four week webinar course, and I only work with newbies. So just people that have never done a real estate deal before, or maybe have done one real estate deal, and then for a year haven't done another one, and are just kind of looking to get started. And I created it really, um, it, it grew out of my meetup group I have in my area, and people just asking me to mentor them. I really think, Everyone kind of overcomplicates real estate investing with apps and programs and this and that, and all these billion things you can do. And I really try to just strip it down and make it very simple um, to get people buying their first deal or their second deal or their third deal. Um, so it's really focused on newbies and just being very straightforward. Like, here's the tasks at hand. If you do this, you're going to find properties and you're going to be able to flip a house and you're going to be able to buy rentals Mm -hmm. and kind of hold their hand. So we've been doing that for about a year now. Um, And it's all web-based. So people don't have to spend the money to travel and they can do it on their own time. And we just provide a lot of support and follow-up. And it's really exciting for me because I know what it feels like to be new, not have any money, not know how to start, Um, so we really specialize in that. Like I, I like to get the word out that you don't have to have money to buy real estate and real estate has completely changed my life. I mean, I was paid off my student loans. I paid off my car. I've been able to pay off a lot of things because of flipping houses. And I just, it's amazing feeling when you can like help other people see that and do the same thing. So I'm super passionate about it. I love it. Yeah, I see.
4: I see the results. the The students they always post their results on on yeah. Facebook page, and it's so fun to see that they they are su- actually they get very surprised when they they apply, what you say, and say, oh, it works. Yeah. Okay. calling
1: <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> so right. me, and I bought a house. Yeah, it's it's neat. Well, and
0: it's also, you know, what you do, which is so amazing, April, is that, you know, some of these folks, which we all know, get caught up in this, you know, buying this package for, you know, $25,000. And, you know, three months later, they don't know any more than they did when they, before the $25,000. And what's unique to what you're up to is that you're, you're coaching people and helping them. Uh, and actually doing it yourself too and and working with them and you're the real thing and I think that's what if people are going to find a mentor or find a coach obviously vet them out and 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 you want to find people that have done more than you so you can learn the the you know the the strategies and the and the tips but find people who are actually real investors actually really doing right. what you're looking to do versus just charging an exorbitant amount of money when you could be putting that to actually buying real estate <laughs> right or, yeah. or you know you know know, building up your coffers or doing whatever you want to do. But I think that's unique to your coaching is, uh, you do a great job and, um, you're, you're an active investor.
4: So April, before we get to what we call our fabulous three questions, where can listeners or newbies or people that are looking to do exactly what you're doing, can learn more about you?
1: Um, our website is www.lazygirlrei.com. And they can also Google on YouTube. My YouTube channel is the April Crosley. If they type that in, it'll come up. Um, We do like a lot of, deal or dud episodes on there where we run live numbers on deals that people send me or deals that I've done. So people can see the actual numbers on a deal, (laughs) not Mm -hmm. the HGTV numbers. Um, So they can see what a deal breakdown is and how it works and how we buy with private money and buy rentals with private money and don't use any of our own money for deals. So those are probably the best two places.
0: Awesome. So we're going to jump into this section we call the fabulous three. We need to have some okay. music and <laughs> maybe I should sing fabulous, but I don't think you want me singing. <laughs> so first question, what is the most transformational book you've ever read? Most transformational. Um.
1: So probably two, the first book I ever read was the one minute millionaire. And that was the book that changed everything for me. It completely changed the way I view just, financially educating myself and um, real estate life in general, but that's kind of a real estate book outside of real estate. um, Probably the best book I've ever read just from like being a a female and um, owning my own business is a book called You Are a Badass by Jen Sincero. That book, I could listen to it a hundred times a year and it would never be enough. It's just very
0: empowering so love the title. I've heard of that yeah. before. So I gotta put that on my uh list of three. <laughs> yeah, it's a good one. What's the most powerful routine that you do that helps you create a financially free and balanced life?
1: Um the most powerful routine that I do. <laughs>
4: I I know. I know. You try know, to call, Try to call April before 10
1: o'clock. Oh, I do set strict boundaries. <laughs> <laughs> I do set strict boundaries. I'm pretty, I try to be really strict about my schedule. So like I... I have to go to the gym every day, as silly as that sounds, that's really important to me to make time to do that. So I really, I don't meet with anyone before 10 a.m. I don't like mornings, but people will say to me, oh, so you don't get out of bed till 10 a.m. I'm like, no, I just, that's my time before 10 a.m. I go to the gym, I eat breakfast, I just need my time for myself. And that kind of just helps me get in a good mindset for the day and sets me up, um, and I just am very organized, very type A and organized. I've started, um, I just like will turn my phone upside down, have my lists of tasks on a piece of paper that I need to do. And I have to rifle off those tasks and my phone has to be turned upside down or turned off and social media turned off or I won't get anything done. It's very easy to get easy to get distracted and sucked in to other things, so...
0: Yeah. Boundaries. We got to have a whole episode on boundaries. That's a whole whole discussion. Oh yeah. Yeah. Which, which women famous or not has inspired you the most?
1: Um, my mom and my grandma, because they're really, really, really strong women who have had a lot of challenges in their lives and they just keep moving forward. So I'm really, really blessed to have them. Um, and Real estate wise, I would say Susan Lasseter Lyons is like my female real estate idol. <laughs> um, she's just accomplished so much. She's a total powerhouse. And what I love most about her is she's just so humble. Um, she's done real estate coaching, but she's not like your typical real estate guru or coach and You won't see her like with pictures in front of Lamborghinis or like anything like that. She's just really down to earth. (laughs) She really cares about the success of her students and people that she coaches. Um, And she is just like the epitome of financial freedom. Like I, that's who I want to be when I grow up. That's what I'm working towards. (laughs) Well, she's
4: going to be on our podcast.
1: Is she really?
0: Yes, she will.
1: Yay!
0: (laughs) Good. So, April, thank you so much for spending time with us. You you, you've, thank added, you. It was
1: fun. Yeah, you've added
0: such a great uh insight on so many different topics. So we just really appreciate your time and you know carving out some of your uh you know day to be with us.
1: Thank you for having me. I appreciate it.
0: Thank you so much, April. I'll talk
4: to you soon.
1: All right, have a good day, guys. All right, Bye. bye-bye. Bye.
4: If you enjoyed this podcast and want to receive updates on our next interviews,